Answer me this. Are you a morning person? Maybe an afternoon person? Perhaps you're a night owl. Perhaps you feel like you never really get, get moving. Well, regardless of how you would classify yourself, you deserve to have a morning routine that serves you, that sets you up for success. Now, before you, you start rolling your eyes and go, oh, I've, I've heard all about the morning routine stuff and all the things that we're all supposed to do and journal and meditate and yoga, and I just don't have time for that or I don't like it. Guess what? That is not what I'm going to tell you. Instead, I am thrilled to tell you about my annual free event coming up called Master Your Morning. And over the course of five days, 30 minutes or less each day, I'm going to teach you how to create your own unique morning routine based on two things, your unique personality type, and secondly, the realities of your home life, right? You may not have a lot of time for a morning routine, and that's what this free workshop is all about. So if you want to come join, head over to megansumrall.com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. Hey there, everyone. I am really excited to bring a new guest onto the show here today, Michelle. She is the author of the book, The Success Energy Equation. We met through social media channels, which is always so fun. She is a coach. We have similar passions in really working towards work-life harmony, understanding how our energy aligns with our tasks, dreaming big, all of that. There was a million things that I wanted to talk about today, but we decided ahead of time to really zero in on one chapter in her book, really relating to our belief systems in ourselves as it relates to goal setting and all of that. So I think the timing of this is great as we're launching into the new year. Michelle is going to be sharing with you her four R's. You'll learn more about those. And it really brought, the conversation really brought to light with me some things that I either had subconsciously been doing that wasn't aware of and some things that I'm now aware of, I want to go ahead and bring into my ongoing you know, work in life over the next year as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. And just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Work-Life Harmony. I have a fantastic guest here today, and I will have her introduce herself in a minute. Michelle Cedarberg is the author of the book, The Success Energy Equation. And we had our initial chat before I had dove in and really read the book. Then I read the book. I'm like, okay, we're going to need to schedule like 15 <laughs> sessions, I think, to talk through everything that I want to. But Michelle, I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll kind of talk about the topic that we're going to zero in on today that I think is going to be great timing here at the start of the year. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, Michelle Cedarberg, and I am from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, in the Rocky Mountains, and I am a speaker, coach, and consultant. So I typically speak to my audiences about life balance and resilience and health and finding what I call success energy. So I released the book in October of 2020, and I'm excited to chat with you about it. 
Me too. And I can't wait to get it in the hands of you know so many people. And one of the things that you and I talked about, which is, I think, chapter was a seven, I think, in the book was around believing, instilling the belief belief in yourself yourself and your goals. And this is something that I get really fired up about this time of year. We're recording this here at the end of December, but you guys will be listening to this in January at the start of the new year. And I think people get really fired up about goal setting and they think about all the things that I want to accomplish and everything. And, and where my zone of genius is saying, okay, first let's clear up the mess on your calendar so that you can have the time to do it. But then there's this whole other part, which is not my zone of genius, which is really helping people get that belief system in. Cause it's one thing to say, that sounds great. But then all that self-doubt starts coming in. I'm like, oh, but can I really? And so that's where I would love for you to dive in and just share some, some tips and thoughts around that as women that are listening are starting to think about their year and what they want to see out of it over the next month. Yeah. See, goals are those funny things that people either really embrace or they think, oh, goals. And we don't want to write them down. And we don't want to show anybody and you know, all of that kind of stuff. What I believe about our goals, I think they're very, very important. But the challenge is, it doesn't matter how big the goal is if we don't believe in our ability to accomplish it, to crush it. And so we do need to, yes, set the goal, but then we also need to get right with ourselves and our head and our hearts and give ourselves permission to go as big as we need to, to crush that goal. How do we, because I know some of the things I struggle with is, I'm a go big or go home kind of person. Most people know that when I think about goals. And a lot of times I'll step into one knowing it's a big stretch so that I don't set myself up to feel like a failure when, hey, I got 98 right. Let's not zero in on the two that got wrong. But where is that fine line of saying, okay, this is a little unreasonable. Like if I were to say, hey, I'm going to go run a 200 mile race that's just ridiculous. And I need to let that go. Not that that has ever been a dream of mine versus, Hey, do I need to have a sit down with myself? Because this is a belief system problem, not a, this is just completely unrealistic. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, all of us have those goals that just won't go away. You know, the ones that just nag at us and say, why aren't you spending time at, uh, on me? I had a goal of running a marathon. I had a goal of writing a book. And until I'd done both of those things, the goal just kept popping up saying, why aren't you spending time on me? If the goal comes up and it feels big and scary, but it keeps coming up, it's something that we need to pay attention to because there's something in it that's kind of settled in your heart, if you will. If it feels big and scary, that's okay. I say it's okay to set big goals, but it's also okay to start small. So if you have one of those big ones, and my audience is probably, I use the marathon example a lot because I went through that such a long time ago, but let's say it was a goal of writing a book that seemed very scary, but it'd been in your head for a while. What are some tips you can give on how to even break that down, particularly for someone who maybe isn't a, a natural writer? They're like, well, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Or, you know, there's the obvious, you hear people say, oh, just write for an hour a day, but that might seem hard to even get to that point. What are some strategies that people can use with those things that are in their heart that keeps coming up, but they just don't know how to get going on it? You know, 
the book I wrote before the success energy equation was called energy. Now small steps to, to an energetic life. And, and as much as I am like you, I'm kind of a big thinker, a big dreamer. I do believe that small steps are the key to giving us that momentum mm-hmm. to get us moving in the direction of our dreams. And so if it's writing, then it is, I don't want to say write an hour or a day, but practice writing in whatever way that shows up for you, whether it's journaling every morning, doing your morning papers or writing a blog and just getting better at that craft. The same thing with running. I mean, when we're running a marathon, we don't start with 26.2 miles, right? We start with maybe a mile and it doesn't feel very good. And we think, how the heck am I going to 26.2? But when we put all of those small steps together day after day, then we start to gain that experience and skill and confidence every single day. So consistency is key, which means that small steps make it more manageable for our busy schedules. Because when you think about the day or the week that you have stretched out in front of you with all your responsibilities with childcare and the work that you're doing, and gosh, I don't have time for my dreams, Mm -hmm. but you do have time for small steps for self-care. And in anything that we're doing for ourselves that drive our dreams forward, I think that that's self-care. And I think that's such an important point because I know a lot of times I'll hear people, and I fell into this trap too years ago of that, oh, I'll just, I'll just wait another X number of years when I'm through this phase of life. Oh, I'll wait till my children are older. Oh, I'll wait till you know I'm out of this position at work and then do another one. Or, oh, I'll wait till we move into the other house. Or it's like we can easily fall into that. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm when. not doing it, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to wait until mm-hmm. there never is that perfect time, right? Because if you wait until that next transition, well, then something else comes in and grabs that space. And we find ourselves constantly postponing that. What well, are we're never some- in that perfect time and any small steps that we take with the things that we want will help us maintain that foundation rather than letting it crumble beneath us entirely. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I'm, no, if, I'm totally does. if I'm running a little bit until I have time to run more, it's going to be easy to pick up that more than starting from scratch. Right? Oh, I love that. I just love that change of thought of saying, if I do a little bit until mm-hmm. you're not waiting to start, you're giving yourself permission to start small. Yeah. When my twin sister had her daughter was two years old, she says, I just... I can't get on the elliptical because every time I do, I've only got about eight minutes and she's climbing on top of me. And I'm, I'm like, go on for eight minutes because eventually she's going to get older and she's going to give you 10 minutes and she's going to give you 12 minutes and she's going to be distracted long enough for you to do 15 minutes. And by the time you would have wanted to get on to do an hour, you built up 15 minutes at a time till you're feeling like you've got this. How do we, because I know this is something I struggle with. I'm getting better at it in certain areas of my life, but not others. That understanding that just that little bit is actually worth it. Because I, you know, and I know for me when it came, that was a big shift I had to make when it came to exercise, which I'm finally comfortable with. Because for me, a workout used to be an hour to an hour and a half. You know, it was this whole big thing. Now I'm like, well, today was 15 minutes. And Instead of feeling bad about that, I'm at a point where I'm grateful and saying, well, today was 15 minutes, maybe tomorrow will be more. But how do we get out of that negative place of constantly focusing on what didn't get done versus celebrating the small and using that as a way to to build that momentum? 
It's so difficult. I mean, you know, as business people, as women, as parents, you know, it's go big or go home. I want to do this right. And I want to do it the way that I know that I can and or I, or I should, God forbid. But I think that what we first need to do is be kind and gentle to ourselves. You know, think of all the things that we're already crushing any given day. I'll go back to the negativity bias. The negativity bias will focus on the, you know, 100 things or the one little thing that I didn't do right, even though there's 100 things that we've done well. And so I think that what we need to do, you know, in the book, in the in chapter seven, I think you said the building belief in ourselves and our goals, I share a framework for four R's for building belief in yourself. And a lot of it comes down to just kind of recognizing the awesome that's already there. Do you want me to go through the four R's? I would love it. Yeah. Because we do all have a tendency to get that little inner critic in our brain that talks us down and say, you're not good enough. And geez, you should have done more. I can't believe you only did 15 minutes or wow, you could have done better at that, whatever it might be. We all have that voice. And so the first R is to recognize when your thoughts become unproductive. We all have that voice. And sometimes it doesn't talk to us very nicely. And we need to stop that because our inner critic isn't always right. And, you know, most of the people that I meet, as I become a coach, because I kept meeting people who have no idea how amazing they are. Right. <laughs> it's so easy most- for us to see it in others, but it's so hard to see it in ourselves. Yes. And so, you know, more of us need to stop and recognize, all right, there it is again, there's that voice and just recognize it and just say, okay, wow, she's getting a lot of my airtime these days. Recognize when your thoughts become unproductive. Number one, remind yourself of your past wins, your current successes and your enduring capacity. I don't even need to know your listeners to know that there is a backlog of success piling up because busy women, you know, (laughs) that's all we need to say. You know what, in the past, what are the things that you've gotten through, whether it's finishing a course or getting through a tough divorce or overcoming an illness or saving money when you didn't think you could or whatever barrier you had to leap over in the past. If you did it, then you can do it now. There's a strength within us. So remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of your current successes. And, you know, pay attention to your surroundings and all of the things that you're doing well every single day. That list is long, but the it reason is, why we're... And that's, you know, for, the, for anyone listening who's been through the top programmer has a planner. That's why at the end of every week, there's a page that's called your weekly success tracker. And it's because I think it's so important to celebrate every single week. Go, oh, because I mean, by Sunday, I, for, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what I did on Monday, but it's really powerful to go back and go, oh, no, I forgot. I did I did get a lot done this week. So I love that that is part of your four R's as well. Well, and I love that that's part of your journal because it's the small wins. Mm -hmm. It's the small wins that add up to the big, big successes. And at the end of the year, you might be thinking, well, I didn't have any great big wins, but then you can go back to the journal and look at, oh, small wins, small wins, small wins, small win. That stuff matters more than anybody knows, because that's the momentum that keeps us going those small Mm -hmm. victories. Remind yourself of your past wins, your current successes, and your enduring capacity, because all of us have within us strength that we have no idea how much we actually have available to us. And then the third R is to reframe your negative thinking into what's possible. And this one's kind of fun because our brain is an organ that wants us to be successful. (laughs) So if we feed it the right kind of information, it's going to work hard for us. And I know that, you know, you, me, all of your listeners have had those days where we'll say, ah, I can't do it. Oh, that end stops. Like, oh, I'm done. Well, your brain listens to everything. I said, your body hears everything you say. And when you, when you give it that language, oh, can't be done. The brain goes, all right, well, my job here is done. It shuts off trying to come up with any solutions for you. 
So the reframe is just to open up the brain to possibilities. How might I? How might I achieve this goal? How might I go back to school? How might I save the money? How might I, you know, get the exercise or the support that I need? It's pretty powerful, that one reframe. Yeah. And I know for me, one of the phrases I'll use a lot is instead of the, well, here's what I can't do is to say, okay, but what can you do? So maybe you, and it may be truly legitimate. You can't do X. See, my life looks very different now than it did two years ago than it did 10 years ago. There are things I just can't do the same, but there's a lot I can do. Mm -hmm. It just is going to look a little bit different. And we have to get over this idea that once we've come up with the the plan or the dream that we have to manifest it immediately. We're an instant gratification instant society, gratification. <laughs> right? Instant gratification is like, Oh, well, where I want to lose the weight now. Whereas, you know, I want to lose, get rid of the balance on my credit card. Why isn't it happening? But we need to set that intention and then do what we can to put it into motion. And those small steps of how might I, how might I, or the questions that you ask, it just has to be phrased in a question. What's possible. What can I do? What's the one thing that, that I can do? will keep that brain active and it's going to keep you lit up to the possibilities around you. And while the answer or the results might not come right away, if you keep asking yourself the question every single day, it's almost like a gift you give yourself to stay open to possibility. And then the fourth I, I think that's are, important because if you're not asking it, you're not recognizing there is the possibility and you could miss that opportunity for it to present itself. Yes. And that kind of leads into the fourth R, which is repeat, 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 (laughs) because we need to practice this. We need to practice erasing our, you know, kind of old soundtrack and and replacing it with the, I can do this and I am amazing and look at me go soundtrack. And I think it's interesting. The repeat part is, is so important Because what we, you know, we never see the reality of a lot of people that come in our lives. And I mean, I even experienced this with my community. I'm sure you do with your clients as well. They see you in a working mode. They don't see, you know, nobody saw the hot mess that was my house this morning or because you put forth a certain persona out into the world, people think, oh, well, success just comes easier. Oh, she doesn't have the same struggles I do. Or, oh, you know, her life is so different. And we form these false beliefs around others that their lives are rainbows and unicorns and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yet we're not recognizing that it may just be they're repeating, repeating, repeating. They are always working on that. Well, and it also may be that, you know, we're gaining our view of the world through our social media channels, which aren't always the healthiest way for us to, you know, compare. I call it the soul sucking social media comparison trap and we can get stuck in comparisonitis and feel bad about our lives because we're viewing someone else's, you know, pseudo lives on the screen, but. Which may or may not be true. Which may or may not be true. I I had an interesting conversation last week with one of my clients and I was, you know, she shared something. She's like, well, you just make it look so easy. And I just started laughing. I'm like, oh, well, you didn't see the three months leading up to this. That wasn't good. You didn't see the meltdown I had in March when all of my business vaporized. Yeah. And I said, you know, well, no, I said, I tried to do this and, and that didn't work. And then I tried this and that didn't work. And I said, there was like six steps along the way to be here. And she's like, oh God, that makes me feel so much better. And it made me realize, okay, number one, I think we can do a better job. I know I can of sharing the, I tried that. It didn't work. I tried that. It didn't work, but I am not, 
I think because I've been working on this for such a long time on that reframe on focusing on, okay, what can I do when I hit those roadblocks? It doesn't hurt the way it used to square your shoulders. Yeah. And I'm going to have that strength to push through. What did I learn? How can I take this and now translate it to, to say, okay, well then we'll try this. Well, what can I do? Well, how do I pivot this around? So you know, when we were having that conversation, I said, it's not, you know, again, you're only seeing the end result. It's not that somebody is more capable, more successful, more whatever. They've just maybe been practicing the repeat, the repeat, the repeat part of that reframe longer than you have to where it starts to become more second nature. Because when I look and back- And when it, it becomes second nature, you kind of forget yeah. that it's not that way for everyone. And so, yes, from the outside looking in, people may be going, oh, you've got it all together. It hadn't occurred to you that other people aren't because it gets ingrained. And that's the beauty of the repeat. Don't it call is. it failure. Call it research. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I look back. It's just teaching us about what not to do next if it doesn't Absolutely. Work. I mean, even I'll say 10 years ago, but realistically, it's probably only five when I look back at just how I responded to and reacted to you know, things that were hard, things that didn't go well, perceived failures, the day you wake up and everything falls apart. And the way I handled that and reacted to it five, seven, 10 years ago versus my reaction and how I handle it today looks very different because of the constant work of the, and when I was initially trying to get better at it, it was very hard. It felt like a lot of work to do the reframe, to try and focus on what can I do and to make that switch. Now it's easier, but I mean, I still have things that in the heat of the moment, just draw me right back to where I was before, but at least I can recover from it a lot quicker. Well, and you've got a track record that says, you know, I know what it feels like. I can get through this. And the reminders that say, yes, I am strong enough. Yes, I am capable. That's why I love the checking your successes at the end of the day, because those are many gratitudes, Yeah, you know, that just imprint and remind us that, yes, good stuff is out there. Yes, I'm capable of creating good stuff. Yes, I'm doing okay. Now, do you ever get this? Because I'll hear this from people as well is, you know, they'll say, well, you just, you know, that's just putting your head in the sand. If you're just always focusing on the good, like you've got to validate or be in the moment. And I, I always like to tell people, no, I, I don't feel that's putting your head in the sand. I'm not ignoring when something didn't work well or something was bad or pretending it didn't happen. What are some strategies that you can share with people on how to work through those disbeliefs, those setbacks in a way that you acknowledge it, you validate it, you grow from it, but you don't say stuck there or it doesn't become part of who you are for the rest of your life. If that makes sense. Hey there. If you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list, I have great news for you. 
I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge, and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink Bee app. So open up either your app store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink Bee, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only $4.99 US. I will see you inside the app. I wouldn't say that I'm excessively positive. I'd probably say I'm more of a realist. So like you, you know, I will tend to focus on the positive because it feels better, but I don't forget about, you know, what wasn't working up until that point. And I think that if we can, it's almost like we acknowledge that thing that's there, that's not, that didn't work or the thing that we're not feeling good about and just, you know, give it a little bit of, okay, I see you. I'm not ignoring you, but spending time on this is not going to help me get there. The negativity bias will say we're always looking into the hole at the things we don't have. I don't have that. That's not enough. That's not working, you know, mistakes that we made. But as long as we're looking down in that gap, we can't look towards the horizon and what's possible. And so, yes, I say acknowledge the thing and then just say, but I'm not paying attention to you right now. It's a little bit of thought stopping. (laughs) And then lift your head up and look towards what you want. The question that I have in one of the chapters in the book is the big little question. What do I want? What do I want? Which for women and for the parents, it's hard to answer. It's a hard question to answer without factoring in your loved ones, mm-hmm. you know, without factoring in your kids, without factoring in your aging parents. You know, what do I want? Just, you know, nobody else on the planet because it feels selfish, but it's a powerful question because it puts us in a space of how do I recharge myself and take care of myself so that I do have the capacity to take care of everyone else and everything else. Cause that's, you know, the, the role that you will default to, to ask yourself everything in the morning, what do I need for myself today? Well, and I, I went through an exercise with a group of women not too long ago. And that was one of the first questions I had them go through was like, okay, just sky's the limit. Money's not an issue. Time's not an issue, whatever. What, like, what would you do for yourself? What are your dreams? And almost all of them, the bulk of what was written down were about, other people. Mm-hmm. I would do this for so-and-so. And I had to say, no, just you. And over half of them were like, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know. I have yeah. not thought about my, just myself in so long. I don't even know how to do that. It takes practice. And I'll tell you, I went through the whole exercise for myself after a particularly difficult breakup at the end of my thirties to have to ask myself every single day, what do you want? And I didn't always know the answer about what I wanted, but I did know what I didn't want. And so I started to pay attention to those things first. And that started to move me more towards, okay, well, if I don't want that, then the cells in my body started to resonate towards the things that felt like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that that would be interesting. (laughs) That's a really great, I like that for people that are struggling to come up with what dreams do I have? What direction do I want? Maybe you're at a pivotal point in life. You're trying to figure out which way to go if you're not sure. I like that idea because it's a lot easier to say, well, I know I don't like this. Because we will tend to drive ourselves also towards the things that we're good at, even if it's not something that we love. I used to be a personal trainer and I 
I liked the client interaction. I didn't love the personal training. I was a teacher at the college and I loved the teaching. I didn't like the marking. And so when I really sat with it, it's like, oh, you know, I'm very qualified to be a personal trainer, but I'm also qualified to be a coach. And I love the interaction with my coaching clients where it's all forward thinking about what's possible. And I love being in front of an audience. And so why can't I move towards presenting more and marking papers less to pay attention to those little hits of joy or flatness in the things that we do on the day to day. I love that. And something you said right at the beginning has really resonated with me. And it's something a previous guest had said, but in a different way was that idea of, is this thought productive? And I think putting it that way instead of, oh, that's a negative thought. Oh, that's a positive thought. No, just ask yourself, is it productive? Because it might be a thought that someone perceives as quote negative, but it might be productive because it's telling you this is not good for you anymore. Right. Yeah. Versus. Which is a great point because not all of the negative thoughts that come our way need to be dismissed. Sometimes it's our inner critic guiding us towards "Mm, maybe you better put your spidey senses up right now. Yeah. Attention. Your gut and intuition might be trying to tell you something. So sit with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was Rachel was on talking, giving some parenting advice. And it was that same conversation you have with your kids. Well, is that a productive thought as opposed to, is it good or is it bad? Mm -hmm. This is productive right now. And the fact you brought that up again, I was like, okay, this keeps representing, this keeps coming up for me. It's something clearly I need to, you know, pay more attention to and how I'm thinking about the thoughts and beliefs that are coming through for me as well as I think about. Well, and see, that raises a good point because in, in my book, I talk a lot about how your body works to help you work better. And this, you know, our body and the brilliant mind in it is a resilient and very intuitive piece of machinery. If we listen to what it's trying to tell us. Our, you know, our body will talk to us, you know, I'm hungry, I need a break, I need better sleep, I need better food, whatever it might be. But our mind will also talk to us with that, those intuitive hits or those moments of doubt or those moments of, oh, there's something there to really just be with ourselves. And more often than not, we're so busy that we don't stop long enough to listen to what mm-hmm. mind and body are trying to tell us every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So for everybody that is you know, you guys may have already started your goal planning, or maybe you did someone walked away from it, or you started off January 1st strong. And now here we are a couple weeks later, it's like, uh, what are some great tips that you can give for people as they're launching forward into 2021 around building a really solid belief system for themselves in their year? Well, solid belief system. I think we do need to spend a little time getting clear about what we want for ourselves. And I gotta say, I don't love resolutions. I love the idea of goal setting, but I think January 1st is a tough time to just kind of have, let's just forget the holiday party and get right into getting to work. And also I don't love the fact that resolutions tend to have a December 31st end date. And I like the idea of small steps every day towards the things that are meaningful for us. I like the idea of setting big goals, but breaking them down small. And I like, I love the idea of marking down our successes, if not daily, at least weekly, just to remind ourselves, because we can be awfully hard on ourselves. We're not making a progress as quick as we should, or we're not doing it the right way or what have you. Here's the thing about, you know, checking off our successes is, is your your brain wants you to be successful. You know, so if you're checking things off, you're going to get this endorphin hit that says, yes, I've done something towards my dream. Your brain doesn't care if it's a small hit or a big hit. But if you do that same small thing tomorrow and that same small thing the next day, you know, halfway through the year, 
you're going to be looking back thinking, wow, look at what I've accomplished. We have to be kind and gentle with ourselves and, you know, go small and celebrate the wins. We do. And it was, you know, I've been going back and doing kind of my year review reflection and retrospective. And it's so powerful because like, I mean, we're women, we've got so much going on. I'm not sure what I was doing before I hopped on this interview with you, let alone last January, but taking that time to go back and look. And all of a sudden I went, gosh, I've got, you know, I went from this, well, I didn't hit my goals for the year, kind of woe is me place to holy cow, look at all the things that got done this year alongside a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have a complete reframe of, I am 100% okay with, I may not have hit that mark I set for myself in January, because look at what did happen and all the pivoting that went on in between. And if I hadn't taken the time to go back and look at that, I'd be ending the year in a place of feeling a little down Yeah, because we're not programmed to celebrate and remember all those wins. We go right to what isn't instead of all the good that I don't think any of us have years that look anything like we had thought they might, but wow, have we all, you know, navigated some pretty big obstacles. And I, for one, am using the beginning of 2021 as a little bit bigger reset than I might normally, because 2020 really did teach us some lessons and, and challenge us on ways that we've never been challenged before and moving ahead, I know we're moving towards brighter pastures. I'm believing in that. What would it look like if we just decide, okay, from this point forward, how do I want things to be different? I mean, really, you know, what do I really need for myself this year? If I got through that, wow, you know, sky's the limit in this direction. I think if anything, it showed us we can do hard things, right? I mean, if we're still here having this conversation, that means we can work our way through hard things. My hope is that that will translate for people to have instilled that stronger belief system in their abilities, in their resiliency, in what they can do when they're put up against the wall and put into really hard positions. Yeah, it's a powerful thing that resilience so have within us. And yeah, I'll say it again. I keep meeting people who have no idea how amazing they are. That's why I became a coach. And I think that all of us need to look within and say, yeah, you know what? I'm doing okay in whatever small ways. Absolutely. Well, where can everybody learn about your book? Come find you, follow you, all of that. You can go to successenergybook.com. That's kind of a one-stop shop to find the book, to find my social channels, to find my regular website. The book is available on Amazon as well. And if you want it signed, then just find me on successenergybook.com. I would love to send one your way. And I'll be putting the link for those of you who want to pop on and look at the show notes. I've got links to all the places that you can find Michelle as well. What I loved about the book is it's one of those you'll need to go back and visit often because there's just so many good things that made me stop and think, but it's very, I don't want to come up, but it's a very easy read. It's a comfortable read. Whereas sometimes when I've dug into books along those similar topics, it felt almost like homework or work in very kind of like a chore to sit down and read it. This was an absolute pleasure to work through. I'm so but glad in a way that, that I'm like, this is when you go back and revisit often. My goal so. is to have a guilt-free approach to personal growth. We don't need to oh, that's great. feel guilty about what we haven't done. We just need to look forward and square our shoulders and decide what it is we want for ourselves because we're all capable, but we're also all juggling a lot of things. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, your family needs you, you know, life, your work, whatever, do all of those things and then give yourself the gift of, you know, little bits of personal growth for yourself. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we will need to discuss so many more things. Yes, it's been a real pleasure, Megan. Thank you so much. Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall, or just open any browser and go to megansumrall.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworklifeharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.